This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can show your support on patreon.com slash toadsanime and get four early episodes a month for just a few bucks. Plus it helps Ryan buy Digimon toys. Alternatively, spend it on something more important. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toad on Games, the only podcast in the world that for some reason has this opening on every episode and I struggle to come up with something to say. So this is what I'm saying this time. Um, with me today, I have Ollie Smith. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, I've got to change how I do these intros because I always just introduce someone and then they go, what, am I supposed to say hi? What? It, hi. I mean, it's it's been a while since I've done a podcast, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Ollie. Uh, I'm a, I'm a freelance games journalist from the United Kingdom. Um, so I've been in sort of publications such as Wireframe magazine, Bloody Disgusting, uh, Den of Geek, uh, and a very good, very good website that I like to shout out a lot is the Indie Games website. Uh, it's just it's literally just called the Indie Game website. Uh, so mm. I got bylines on those sites. I know I also run my own site called New Game Plus, which is uh, sort of different from your average uh, website because we don't really tend to cover new games that much. We tend to cover mm. Which is quite strange considering the website's called New Game Plus, but sort of idea behind it was uh, new games plus old ones too. We sort of don't like to sort of keep a time frame on when something is deserving of coverage or not, so we tend to cover a lot of sort of older games as well, not necessarily retro either. Just kind of what if whatever picks your fancy, really. Yeah, it's just like a lot of like even stuff that's like you know like three or four years old if there's something there to talk about we sort of tend to cover that as well which is quite nice Mm. so we had um we had someone on talking about horizon zero dawn um a couple of months ago which was quite nice because we there was there's still quite a lot of uh, good discussion to have there yeah i like the idea i like the idea that you're not kind of like restricted you're not just chasing the uh first past the gate kind of thing it's just like well this is an interesting topic we want to talk about it so we will um, I dig that. I dig that a lot. Because I mean, I've even gone back and um, you know, I'll read up on. I'll, I'll, I will read articles like that fairly often now. Um, an example I give quite regularly is um, uh, there was this really cool piece. I think it might have been Kotaku, but I, I may be incorrect there. Um, but it was like this really lengthy piece about people that are still playing Shadow of the Colossus and are like looking for secrets in that game still. And it's just really cool to just read up about. Um, older games still like i i I love that stuff um yeah i think definitely because uh there are a lot of games certainly for me that there are a lot of games that i still haven't played so i still haven't played shadow Mm. of the colossus funnily enough Mm -hmm. and i know i really should but uh maybe like once i eventually do get around to playing that it'll be a a good place to sort of discuss this on the website it's uh, it's that sort of thing that'd be a good idea and and I noted on Twitter you haven't played 3D Mario games, so that needs that needs a fixing. Yeah, Odyssey was my first, <laughs> uh, but this new collection, I guess, will be a good opportunity to go back and yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm definitely interested, especially interested in trying uh, Sunshine because that's sort of like a point of contention for a lot of people. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Uh, r- real tangent here, but for me with Super Mario Sunshine, that was my first 3D Mario game. So I, I love it to death, but I can see why if you grew up with 64 and jumping into that, it would be a bit weird because it's so different, I guess, because it sticks to one theme. Um, mm. But I think anyone playing it now would enjoy it would enjoy it because there isn't that kind of expectation anymore. So I think anyone, anyone playing it now would be happy with it. Um, 
but yeah, cool. Yeah, new, new game plus. Um, obviously, it's really good to see a new outlet. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> good to see an outlet come up because at the, I mean, especially at the time of recording, like, there's been so many closures of of print magazines and and sites and whatnot, and it's, you know, it sucks. So it's it, it's always um it's always a relief when I see new things pop, like new cool places popping up. That's always really great to see. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's I mean, it's not like we belong to a network or anything like that. It is literally just like mm. me with a WordPress site, um, mm-hmm. doing everything out of my own pocket. Um, but like, I already had a pretty big um, social media following before that, so it was quite handy to sort of when I was publishing this. It was sort of handy to get the word out there and get people mm. sharing it. So it was it was pretty good to we definitely had a good uh, sort of force of momentum in the first few weeks. That's good. That's good to hear. I mean, that's kind of how all of these outlets start anyway. Like, I think even sites like Nintendo Life and, and a lot of the bigger sort of outlets are, um, are still WordPress-based. And uh, a lot of those, like a lot of the sites people know, did just start like that anyway. It was just like, a oh, you know, let's try this. And then they picked up, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, it's, 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 it's obviously really great to see that. And I was surprised to see that... Um, God bless you. <laughs> that you're actually like paying folk for commissions like once a month and stuff. Like that's really cool. That's all out of my own pocket as well. Yeah. So every like once a month, start of the month, um, I just basically say like commission a writer to write about something. They send in mm. pitches, you know, as a standard like freelancer uh, would do. And it's just sort of like I just give free reign with them. Really, it's just like talk about whatever you want. We had um, we had Alex Dewing on to talk about Horizon. Um, we had Thomas Hughes um, was the month after that, and Thomas was talking about uh, open world design and just how you know, like the next generation. Even though things are getting bigger, maybe it's probably a good idea for de- a lot of developers to also focus on the smaller worlds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've got some we've got some other good pieces coming up like that. Um, definitely got some good stuff coming for like Halloween time. So some some horror focused articles coming from freelancers, which is good. And like like a like I always say, it's just like I always feel like you should be paying your freelancers, um, even mm. if you're even if you're a, like a really even if you're like an indie site, it still helps to sort of find a way to pay them because you know if you're not being paid, you might as well just do it for yourself. That was sort of my mm. philosophy when I started writing on my own blog. It was like I've been writing for free for a while, and I just thought, why am I doing this? Why am I not just doing it for myself rather than for someone else? Yeah. I mean, I know there are there are definitely benefits to doing it, to doing unpaid uh, writing, but for me, it's just not something I would do, and it's not something I would do um, for for people who were writing for me either. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I respect that a huge amount. Um, obviously, with the, I'd say the majority of um of smaller outlets and blogs and and and, and stuff, um, obviously don't pay people, and um, I mean no, I mean no uh, criticism against many of them for that because obviously they're they're not particularly earning anything themselves anyway so you know but it's uh, it's huge respect to you for pulling out your own pocket to do that that's um that's awesome and uh yeah great to see some some cool some cool pieces going up on on, on a new site like that that's really interesting and um everyone should go and check it out yeah go and what do we should probably hit them with a url what's the exact url um it's literally just www.newgameplus and the plus is in the actual word plus.co.uk there we go go there read some cool things yeah and then come back we've got some interesting stuff coming out as well like um 
uh, me and Alex are working on something uh, which we can't talk about just yet, but um, it'll be something cool. quite interesting to to sort of put alongside the site as well. Cool. I like that. I like exciting secret things. I will <laughs> look forward to the exciting secret things. They're really good. Um, one thing I really like doing, actually, and uh, I especially, I mean, obviously reading up on, on, on the site over the last few weeks and stuff, um, one thing I do especially like is, obviously, because you're not focused on, we need to launch coverage, we need launch coverage, we need launch coverage, and you can just be like, do you know what, we're going to cover games as and when we want, and whatever games we want, if we have something interesting to say, which I really like. One mm-hmm. thing I like about that is how, obviously, much like everyone else in the world, um, I have a large backlog of games, <laughs> of yeah. games that aren't current. So, I mean, and, and and this year and last year especially, I've been really focused on just trying to get through and finish a lot of games. Um, and I'm sure lots of people do that. You know, I, I'm sure 50% of the time people are playing games, they're not new games. Um, and for yeah. me, if I finish a game, I then like to go and sort of really dive into it which which sounds strange. Like after I finish a game, I will go and read reviews. I will I will love to go and read lots of reviews. Like after I finish a game, see what other people thought, and to sort of just see an analysis of what I've just experienced. I will go and watch like speedruns of that game. I will watch lots of cool speedruns. I'll watch like boundary break episodes, seeing it be torn apart, and I will just like for days after I finish a game, will just consume lots of of opinions and 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 media and stuff. Um, on the game I've just played. And so it's a cool idea for me to just be like, to, to, to be seeing a site like yours where you are just covering interesting topics on games, not necessarily ones that have just launched. Um, like the Horizon piece you mentioned, I've not played Horizon yet, um, but it's high up on my backlog. So I'm sure I will get round to it <laughs> at some point. And then I would like to go and read pieces like that. Um, so, I mean, I think you, I think you, uh, you even have it on the site about page that you kind of like, games are not this like throwaway experience like you, they're always worthwhile talking about yeah definitely i definitely think that like any game no matter how popular or unpopular it was i feel like there's always going to be space for talking about that kind of thing um mm. especially for games sort of like you know past generation um like a lot of ps like a lot of ps2 ps3 games they're just like forgotten now by a lot of people just because there's no way to access them on current gen hardware um so it's Mm. sort of like Mm -hmm. i think sort of like doing the sort of coverage like you see it a lot on youtube as well it's just like a lot of youtubers and a lot of writers and journalists like to go back and Mm. sort of find these old games and sort of bring new attention to them and hopefully might even reignite some interest in them Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i mean other than news coverage the majority of the time if i'm reading about a specific game it's it's I will be reading it not at the time, not at present time. So I think there's absolutely a space for that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like I say, with um, so I, I've seen this with other sites as well. Like um, I know that um, Uppercut, that's a really good website. I like to read a lot as well. Uppercut does a lot of things like that as well with sort of a lot, a lot of older like um, political angles with older games, which is quite a nice theme to have, mm. um, especially mm-hmm. like now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, with 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 places like that as well, like. Um, that is something I quite like. I like outlets or indeed YouTube accounts and, and stuff like that that will dive into very specific points of video games. Like, you know, the, what you just said, where they will have a political angle on stuff. And I will like, um, 
uh, YouTubers that will talk f- specifically about the music from one game and YouTubers that will talk specifically about the art style from one game. And uh, yeah, it's just really interesting to just take in lots of different perspectives on games um, after the fact for me. Um, and if, if, if anyone listening doesn't yeah. do that, like they should, because <laughs> go. I, I recommend if you're playing <laughs> something and it's not a current game, like just go and read reviews after the fact. Like it's really interesting to just take on uh, analysis of something that's fresh in your mind, whether it's current or not. Um, obviously, I guess reviews are typically thought of as as a buying guide, um, but I've always thought of them as being a little bit more than that, um, and hopefully, a lot of other people do too. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like older like it's like actually when you said about um, how you just go up onto like Kotaku or somewhere like that and like read up on these older articles, and it's sort of like the best criticism doesn't necessarily come at launch. Like like not to disrespect any any people who review things at launch obviously but i think i always feel like the best conversations we have about games definitely come like even just like a couple of days or weeks after launch it's like when people have actually been able to dive deep into these games and sort of uh, unearth the best parts about them um so we definitely see some of the best criticism come out just after them yeah yeah that makes sense um something i've always i've always um thought about really and i guess I guess journalists don't particularly speak about very much is how for me personally, anyway, you know, especially when I was more focused on, on, on doing journalism myself, I noticed that when I'm playing a game to review it, um, I am kind of playing it very differently because for how I approach it personally is I will be pausing it all the time to take notes. Like my notes are almost my first draft of the review itself. Um, and then mm. I just kind of shit it out afterwards. So I'm playing so differently when I'm reviewing a game, um, which I guess probably isn't very sensible to, to, to you know to say that I'm playing it differently than 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 I would usually play it. But yeah, I'm pausing it a lot, and of course, often I'm playing a game not for fun, um, even if it is a fun game. I'm playing it for a work purpose, and so I'm kind of like there's this different approach when you're reviewing a game. And of course, if you're looking at a game if you're kind of just reflecting on a game and you're not sort of rushing to go in and, and, and review at the time, then you don't really have that. And you can have this really deeper dive on it, which is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, cause you know, I still have to pay the bills, so I still do like other works of freelance. So it's definitely, a, there's definitely mm-hmm. like a big contrast between when I'm reviewing a game at launch for a website, another website or something. And then I'm reviewing, or I'm just playing something casually. And then I think, Oh, I could write about that for mm-hmm. new game plus. And um, there's definitely like a big, difference in the way i approach these two different games usually with the with the former it's sort of just like getting through seeing as much as possible in as little time as possible because you know um freelance journalism does does have kind of a bit of a payment problem um so it usually helps Mm -hmm. if you can sort of Mm -hmm. uh, shorten that amount of time it takes to play through a game as quickly as possible um so i definitely tend to find that you know something I'm playing a bit more casually that I end up writing about anyway. It definitely can get more out of that because I have more time with it. Yeah, it makes sense. And for like launch games, like uh, an example I would give a lot is how um, Fire Emblem's Three Houses is an example, Nintendo game. Um, it's like a hundred hour long game. And the review codes went out, <laughs> I think three days before <laughs> the review embargo. Mm. And it's just like, that's a hundred, uh, from a freelance perspective, that's a hundred hours it's going to take you in theory to play the game, and then you've got to do the review. Um, if if that's indeed even possible across three days, of course for a lot of people it simply isn't. Um, but then it's you know that's over a hundred hours effectively worth of work, um, 
for a review and uh and the pay certainly doesn't reflect that of course <laughs> yeah definitely uh i think it was i think red dead redemption 2 was another one that didn't come in quite as Oof. early as as needed um i think i wasn't around at the time but um the witcher 3 as well i've heard some i had some journalists got it only 24 hours before the embargo lifted mm. which is for the witcher 3 that's definitely not possible that's madness yeah now now i work in pr and having come from a journalism background myself like for me i i always recommend to even indies even indie developers i, I suggest to them give give like two weeks <laughs> give give two weeks at least like try and ha- i know it's not always possible because i don't think people realize how close to the wire like games are to launch which is often mm. the case where there's such a short embargo um but if you're not that close to where, like, give two bloody weeks. Like, you're more likely to be covered and you're giving journalists, like, a long time to do it. Um, especially in the case of Indies, obviously, because they don't get as many clicks. So if, if you're if you're only giving journalists, like, a couple of days to play your, your indie game that isn't going to get as many clicks, they're probably just not going to play it. Um, so that's always something I've tried to push, is to, is to have, like, lengthy embargo period. Yeah. In my experience, indies have always been the more generous. To be honest, with the with the embargo mm. times, it's always been a it's always been like a you know a week or two. Whereas um, with the with the very few triple A's I've been able to to grab, it's always been a couple of days. I've, I don't think yeah. I've ever hit it. <laughs> I think it's just that with with indies, they're a lot more sort of casual and in in how they even work business wise and, and and stuff. You know, whereas with uh, with triple A studios, it's you know executives that are making lots of decisions, and and you've got tons of people in their marketing departments and it's just very formalized and 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 you know an often case like for 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 key decisions the marketing teams won't even really get to make those decisions that lies with the executives and uh and as i say things are really close to the wire so people would be shocked to learn how close to the wire a lot of that stuff is um yeah you know, like a week beforehand the games are still being age rated and 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 <laughs> haven't been you know approved by console platform holders and stuff like that it's madness um it's 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 really crazy close to the wire stuff yeah and it's it's a lot it's a lot more stressful for the journalists as well just trying to like just mm. constantly sending off emails to pr like just wondering where like what's going on if they're if they're yeah. gonna be able to get a code or not uh last year i had uh you know i had to like send like i think it was like a dozen different email addresses in the end just to get like a response back from sony about something so uh, mm. it's, there's definitely a lot of chasing up and then not getting responses back. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. I mean, the way I've always tried to, exp- obviously, game journalists get a lot of, a lot of shit online, um, hmm. and to those people, like my argument has always been, I, I'll always kind of approach them and say, like, <laughs> journalists are game journalists are not paid a lot. They're not paid a lot. They usually are having, even at full, the full-time places, they are usually having to play the games they're reviewing in their own time. Um, and they're not paid for that. And they get a lot of shit from people online. So why on earth would anybody put up with all of that unless they actually genuinely really cared about games and the work they were doing? Um, it's just sort of madness to me that that, that is a discussion we're still having today. Um crazy i do feel like there's some sort of like there must be some kind of like uh communications error like between sort of you know um journalists like outlets and then the the audiences because there's still a lot of misinformation out there uh, in regards to that you know a lot of um people thinking like it's even still like the conspiracy theories about 
like IGN being paid off or whatever. Like I remember hearing those when mm. I was like fifteen or something, and it's still and I still see it today in comment sections. It's a really bizarre conspiracy theory that still somehow survived to this day that we get stuff like that still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 really intriguing for me having been a journalist and now being on the literal other side of it in PR that I've seen kind of both sides of it, and that shit literally doesn't happen. Like it, it just doesn't happen. Um, and it's it's yeah, there must be like some kind of weird communication thing between between audiences and writers because even even to an extreme point where I think there is a general belief that when people are thinking of a video game journalist, they're thinking of a bunch of people in an office sitting around on a sofa playing video games for eight hours, um, <laughs> which is not yeah. what it is. Um, it's just crazy. You know, most, frankly, most video game journalists are freelancers that are doing it in their own time at home and are only paid for the writing work they do. And, and even the ca- in the case of the full, the few full-time you know, positions like actual in office positions that exist. Um, that's also generally not the case. People are not sitting around playing games. They're doing that at home when they're in the office. That's writing time. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a it's just a crazy belief of how it all works, really. Yeah, I would say uh, as a freelancer, it's just been like maybe thirty mm. percent of my time is actually spent playing games. The rest, the other seventy percent, is just spent like emailing, writing, mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a writing job, yeah. You're not, you, you know, and 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 for the freelance stuff, like the pay you're getting, you're not being paid for the, the playing of the game. You're being paid for playing the game. And yeah. in my experience, anyway, like most outlets are not going to pay you more based on the length of a game. That just doesn't happen. Um, so, um, and and sadly, like having now being in PR myself, and and I my job is now to meet journalists at events and stuff. A sad thing that I've noticed happens a lot, and it's 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 really sad actually, um, is that that has kind of fed through to game journalists themselves. Like they'll come and meet me, and they'll have meetings and stuff. And there's this general. It's almost like every video game writer has imposter syndrome. Like every single one of them. And yeah, they're like, oh, definitely. I don't, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm a proper games journalist because I don't have like a full time. I'm not like the editor of Kotaku. I don't sit in an office and stuff, and the majority of people, the genuine majority of journalists that I speak to and meet with, um, you know, for, for, for PR purposes and, and whatnot, um, will have like a, a normal full time job. And then they're just doing this on the side. And and all and every single one of them I speak to about that feels bad about it. Like, oh, I'm not a proper journalist because I do this. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, and some no names, like some some people that everyone knows you know i'll be like oh, i don't really feel like a what, what are you talking about <laughs> like literally every person i speak to says this um yeah it's just it's just such a shame that 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 sort of that that insecurity kind of is almost a standard for games writers at this point where they you know imposter syndrome and they don't feel like they're part of stuff and um yeah i just see that in this genuinely the majority of writers um whereas like a full-time like actual well-paid like above national average sort of wage for a games writer there's maybe like five six positions total in 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 the country for that um so it's just crazy it's mad it's definitely something you do with something else as well on the side um pretty much Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. not not necessarily for me at the moment because covid and everything but 
Um, yeah. A lot of people, you know, they freelance and then they might do something else on the side, you know, something like, I don't mm-hmm. know, social media or producing something. Like, they've, usu- they've mm-hmm. usually got, like, at least two or three different other things going on at the same time as freelancing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I guess you don't really tend to see that because, like you say about the imposter syndrome thing and, and people not feeling like a proper journalist because they don't do it full time. And it's sort of like, I don't think we talk about it enough that, mm-hmm. um, you know, people doing all these different side hustles and everything just to make ends meet. Exactly. Uh, I know I, I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's why obviously I'm not going to name names for people, but it's like, it's genuine that like, the majority of game journalists I've met have have other jobs, you know, and they need to mm. because it just doesn't just doesn't pay enough. Um, and that's it's that that infuriates me the most when I see people online be like, "Oh, these fucking f- fake gamers! They don't care about games. They're just trying to make a buck from it." It's just like you. There's no way to convince you that that's not the case, but like it's so not the case. Like people are genuinely only doing it because they're passionate about it. There's just I mean, if they were in it for the money, they'd be they'd fuck off and do something else. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Literally, it's any other journal type of journalism probably pays more as well. It's like yeah, it's weird that like games the games industry is like one of the highest like you know one of the most um, expensive industries in the UK, and it's like mm-hmm. the journalism is just n- there's no money there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even even at the bigger outlets that we're now watching close, like Kotaku UK recently gone. Um, yeah, uh, you know we're losing print mags, we're losing outlets, the foreign cinema. I'm sure it's not the end of it. It's just you know it's 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 crazy. Even those big name things are shutting. Um, there's just no money in it. There's just no money in it. Um, hopefully, more like mainstream newspapers and 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 sort of mainstream news sites will kind of pick it up because then they will probably pay an actual journalism wage. <laughs> but again, that's we're talking yeah. like a handful of roles. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I think mainstream news is definitely again a lot better for that i think in the last few years um so we saw mm. i think someone put out a piece recently about like uh, washington post is doing it now um yeah and uh, enemy is doing it now which is quite nice yeah. i've seen a lot of uk freelancers uh like getting stuff up on enemy which is really cool to see yeah um and like obviously like a lot of national newspapers as well um, you used to do the mirror didn't you and yes yeah and um yeah, but yeah, but, gen- but generally speaking, um, it's like something that a lot of main sh- the mainstream papers and news sites and stuff are starting to tap into a little bit, um, which I'm sure for people that work of, you know, video game analysis is a little bit scary because it's like competition, um, but I think long term wise that's good because, as you say, games is like the biggest entertainment industry. It's bigger than any of the yeah, other entertainment it industries. It's worth more than music and film combined. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you don't struggle finding film coverage on any like news website so it's 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 madness that they haven't really gone full-blown uh steam ahead on it yet i'm sure they will mm. yeah i feel like uh i mean in this in this current climate who knows what it's going to be like but i feel like it's, it can only really it can't get any worse afterwards surely <laughs> well yeah it's got it yeah hopefully. i mean you know the more money the games industry makes the surely the the more coverage it's going to get at different places we can hope I guess this is why a lot of journalists move to PR eventually. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's such a depressing note to, to say, but like, that's the reason a lot of game journalists end up going into PR, myself included, is just because the money isn't in journalism. And, you know, 
I adored video game journalism with all of my heart and I still kind of I still kind of cling on to it as much as possible like I will still every now and then do a little bit of freelancing bits obviously because I work in PR the amount that I can do is is limited because you know I obviously can't cover any of the brands I've worked on um uh, but but I'll, yeah. I'll try and do like a bit every now and then just to cling on to it but realistically like the money wasn't there like I wasn't gonna be able to if I have to choose between I like doing this or I would like to be able to have money for my family and I'm gonna pick the the latter every time um and yeah that that's sadly why a lot of game journalists end up jumping over into PR I think um it's a, it's a shame because I would have stuck doing that forever to be honest but hey ho Never mind. Yeah, I mean, it's not all bad. I mean, I really like the friends I've made in the industry. That's always the best part about it, really. Um, going to the events and everything, meeting new people. That's always... I figured I'd like try and like lift the mood a bit on this sort of, <laughs> this sort of downer. Event. I was just about to do the same. I was, just about, I was just about to do the same. Yeah, <laughs> for everything we just said, like, the, obviously you get a lot of shit from people online, but for me personally, I was able to just kind of... As long as they're not like actually intruding on your real life, I was able to just kind of throw it off. Um, not that yeah. you should have to do that. That is unacceptable that people do that. People should not have to learn to live with stuff like that. It shouldn't be happening. Um, but other than that, and obviously pay not being the absolute best, like, as I said, like, if it wasn't for that, I would have happily done that job for the rest of my life. Like, I absolutely bloody loved it. Um, you get to go to all events. You get to go to cool press events and, and you know, meet, for, for, for me anyway, was like some of my heroes, like some of my childhood heroes um that, that made the, the games that i love and that was amazing um you get to go to game events i really miss events yeah i really miss egx i really miss events all them. yeah yeah i miss events i can't wait to be able to set events up again um obviously now when i go to events it's more on the pr end where i'm kind of like having where i'm showing stuff and and, and having meetings with people as opposed to going around and playing everything trying to mm. do a little bit of that as well but I'm, yeah i miss it so much egx and gamescom um, and then I usually would set up like, my own like little press events at the loading game bars and stuff around London. And um, I absolutely cannot wait to ever start doing that again. Hopefully next year, but we'll see. Hopefully, um, yeah. Yeah, miss them. And I'm sure that's been quite difficult for um, for journalists just on the work side as well, like not having events, like having no events to cover. I guess, like, I mean, because all the events are still there, they're just all online now, so there's there's never, mm. I, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say there's, like, a shortage of things to cover. Um, probably also, mm. uh, we save a lot of money in travel, which is quite nice. That's true. Uh, I d <laughs> uh, like, I, I really love, like, the physical events, and I love, you know, just going to these places, meeting people, and then just, like, you know, just, like, you know, sort of, like, how EGX is set up, where you just, you just find a computer, plunk your bum on it, and play, mm. like, something you've never heard of before. Um, but the same at the same time, it's sort of like quite nice to just sort of cover an event from like in your pajamas from your bed or something on your laptop. It's it's quite it's been quite a nice uh, change of pace really this these last few months doing that sort of thing. Mm. Problem is, there's just there's mm. just so many of them now. I feel like there's a new event every day. Yeah. Like we've had oh, like yeah. two or three this week already, haven't we? We had PlayStation Five and the Nintendo one. Yeah, and then there was the Nintendo Life uh event the other day as well and again there's so many of those like the little ones that the ones that outlets are doing and and, and stuff like the wholesome games and, and all that stuff that it's been even for me like bloody impossible to keep up with like especially yeah. over, the, over like the peak of summer so many um it was impossible um i mean on the one side it's good that nothing that everything is not so e3 reliant anymore i suppose <laughs> it's kind of shown me why the structure of e3 worked i suppose 
I suppose with like I suppose with like with um, two new consoles launching later this year as well, it's probably like the worst time for something like this to happen for the games industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, both the people in it, and I'm sure even just for general consumers as well, like it's just you know. Oh yeah, definitely. A, they can't go out to game shops, and B, everything's a bit all over the place. No one really has the money for it to just go out and buy like a mm. four hundred and fifty quid console. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's going to take a lot of convincing as to why you should get one of those kind of things day one, because um, it's a bit tricky. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I do want to press a point because obviously we did do a bit of doom and gloom about the the, the video game jellies in there, and I'm sure there will be some people listening to this that, that want to jump into that. Like it, that was that was just me. Uh, that was just us lamenting over the bad points, but like there are a lot of good points. Like it's there are it's, a lot. It's of a points. really cool. It's a really cool thing to do. Like. People wouldn't be doing it if 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 it was just shit. <laughs> it I don't think I could imagine like not doing something games related now for like from now to the rest to the end of my life. Like I feel like I'm always yeah. just going to be like wanting to sort of focus professionally on something like that, even if it is meaning like moving to PR or something like that as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could go back to like I used to work in Waitrose, so I don't think I could go back to like work, no offense to Waitrose or anything. I just I just could never do a like a retail like public facing mm. job like that again. Yeah. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like I, 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 I worked in retail before getting into the games industry, and then you know I was at the Mirror doing PR now, and I, I cannot imagine doing anything else. Like even if there was more money involved in something outside of the industry, I it just I would not do it. Like I just couldn't. Mm. Um, you know, games were like my thing growing up, and still even now. I mean, I I guess I've in some form or another been in the industry for like seven years, and it's just. I'm still like I will still regularly have moments where I'm like, holy shit, like I work in games. Like that's that's cool. Like my I I, I get paid to do game related things. Like that's that's sick. Um hmm. and I think for a lot of people that aspire to be in the industry, that's that's what they want. That's what they want. They just want to be like involved and that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I remember going to my first going to my first ever EGX when I wasn't working in the industry. I was um hmm. I went I just went I went with my dad, I think, and it was like I was like twenty twenty one. And I spoke to um, I spoke to Amy Graves um, when she used to work at Square Enix, um, mm-hmm. and um, she just gave me all this like sort of advice for like getting into the industry, and it was like a really good turning point for me because at, at that point on, I just thought, you know what, I want to get like I want to get a job in this industry because I love video games and I just want to I want to like engage with them in a different way. I want to see you know sort of see how the other half lives. I was on the consumer mm. side at the time, and now I'm like sort of on the more professional side, so. Mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely it's definitely a huge turning point for me. Um, just like speaking to industry professionals for the first time, I think that's mm-hmm. definitely how a lot of students feel now. Probably when they get like, because now nowadays you get a lot of uh, games industry professionals going into universities and colleges and doing talks, and that's yeah. probably a good turning point for them as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's actually a really good advice. Like in general, like if anyone you know, just literally going to events and talking to the to the PR there, like in the in and games industry professionals, and even in even on things like Twitter, like they will talk to you. Like people yeah. will answer you and and chat with you and, and give advice and stuff. And um, yeah, and that's really cool. And um, you know, I think a lo- also a lot of people are really scared to just pitch for things, which is a shame. But you can just you can. You can just pitch things. <laughs> yeah, you can just pitch. You can just pitch ideas places. Um, I mean, I'm still terrified yeah. of pitching, but it's it is definitely something you grow to grow accustomed to. 
and still certain outlets i'm sort of like oh i don't know if i should pitch this to them because they're quite they're quite cool people and i'm not so cool um but it's <laughs> once you get over that sort of initial anxiety it becomes a lot easier to just sort of like pop into someone's email inbox like hey i have this idea uh, for an article let me can i yeah let's talk about this and then they either say yes or no so the worst they can yeah, say is no yeah. and then even then even if they say no you're still on their like records as you know someone yeah. of interest so which helps in the future yeah and that's the way to do it as well like just hey yeah here's here's my pitch idea here tell me if you're interested you know i i find that the people that will spend like paragraphs trying to like um uh sort of justify themselves this applies to whether you're 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 pitching for an outlet for a piece of going outlet, or if you're pitching someone like me in PR for a game code and you write for a small outlet, if you spend mm. paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs sort of explaining, you know, Oh, you know, I really want this and, and paragraphs sort of explaining why you're worthy. That's actually almost the, has the opposite effect. Like just go boom. Hey, here's my pitch idea. Like, are you interested? Or if you're talking to PR, just hi, I write for this outlet. I'm really interested in reviewing blah, blah, blah. Um, is there any chance we can get a code or whatever? Like, it's just that simple. Like, and then you're more likely to get a, yeah, sure, here you go. <laughs> yeah, literally. It, it also helps if you, like, include links to, I mean, especially if I'm talking to PR, if I'm if I'm trying to get a code for a game, maybe it's a sequel and I covered the first one, I'll definitely drop in a lot of, like, yeah. um, mentions about coverage for previous ones. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And the same goes, really, for, like, go, pitching to, like, outlet editors. Yeah, for, for for like small outlet writers and, and, and blog writers and stuff, like when they will talk to me and be like, oh, you know, thanks for the code. Like, I'm, I'm really appreciative. It's like, it's a very mutual exchange. <laughs> like, I'm, I want coverage, <laughs> so you don't have to thank me. And it's just like the way I've always seen it is you are doing PR a favor by reaching out to them and them not having to go and find you. So don't be scared to just ask them. Um, and exactly the same for outlets. Like you're doing them a favor by pitching stuff. Worst they're going to say is no, just pitch stuff. Um, whether that's you know the big bigger sites with a cool idea or like smaller sites. For like smaller sites, I think I I always uh, recommend just like always just shooting for the indies first because the indies are more likely to get a response out of. Um, especially when I because New Game Plus started as a blog, um, just a, just a, a normal blog. Um, me writing about my life, me writing about films, me writing about games. And then I, when I started leaning into more of the game side, I started uh, getting in touch with more PRs. And, you know, I was young at the time, so I was, like, popping into, like, Sony's inbox, like, hey, can I get a code for Death Stranding? And obviously no response there. But um, the indie stuff has always been a really friendly place, and um, you always, like, get, mm. get a good amount of responses. Even if you don't get a code, you still get a lot of, like, uh, get a, you get, still get a good response out of indie PRs, which is really nice to see, and a lot of encouragement mm-hmm. there. So if you do have a small, if you do have a small site or a small blog, even if it's just you, which is how I started, it's like just focus on the indies. I'd say mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right because I mean, especially if you're going to go after like their big places like Nintendo and Sony, like they're going to be a lot more selective as who they send code to, um, because you know they have they're so stats driven. You know, all their marketing teams are going to be so driven as a, you know, we've got this many clicks, we've got this many views, we've got this many reviews and stuff. But for the Indians, it's just, you know, they're not as stat driven. They just want to see coverage in their games. Um, you know, they want to have something to share. They want to have something to point out and go, look at this, got coverage here. Um, and even pointing out from a very cynical view, if you're talking about the sort of mid publishers or indie publishers, um, a lot of the times, like just to, 
for them to be able to point to their own superiors and go, look, we got covered at this, this, this. You know, they yeah. won't say clicks and stuff. It's just the PR themselves want to be able to show, look, we got coverage, here's coverage. Um, so, uh, you know, often, oftentimes, um, yeah, small, small outlets should, should absolutely, should absolutely go and um, contact people. Like I spend a lot of, uh, I spend a lot of time like going and trying finding um, like a lot of smaller outlets and, and, and blogs and news sites and stuff to add to my press list just because I want, you know, a variety of voices and a variety of, of people to talk to for stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like in general, like for, for, for game journalists and writers and everyone in general, really, like it's just confidence holding people back. Like it's just, they, you know, if people more often would just email like, Hey, I've got this, bam, done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone suffers from that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier for me now, I guess, because I've been doing it for a couple of years, but I know when you're definitely mm-hmm. starting out, like it can be terrifying just to like email a PR about a code. Um, but I remember when I first like when I first started getting codes and stuff and started getting more like um, PR support for the site, it was like really cool to so it felt like really cool to sort of get that, uh, and I didn't have to go out and like kept keep buying the games and then like mm-hmm. you know playing them like months and months later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I started writing for like a really small site, that was that was how I started. I guess how most people start. Um, I was writing for a final boss fight and. Yeah, just like going to an event. I think like my first like pressy event was like a Bandai Namco thing with the first Nino Kuni game, and it was just like it felt am- it felt amazing just to be involved in any mm. part. Like it was just incredible. Um, and yeah, all you got to do is 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 ask, and maybe don't have your blog be like WordPress dot com slash something. Like actually, make sure you have a domain. De- yeah, definitely that, get a domain. You're good. <laughs> yeah, other than that, you're good. <laughs> Um, and I guess I guess you are. Do you do you take pictures yourself at the moment? Because you you publish something once a month. Yeah. So we usually we have a we have a dedicated um, page on the site for it says write for us and it's just um, it literally just says there whether our pictures are open or closed at the time being because we only take one a month. So it's like mm-hmm. you get about we get about like maybe five or six responses each time. So it's quite mm-hmm. it's it's quite a shame to to turn people away even if the pitch is solid. It's literally just a budget yeah. thing. Um, so, mm-hmm. but we usually put out like a tweet um, just to say, like, "Hey, we're commissioning again for these months, so please drop a drop a pitch into our inbox." Um, so uh, we'll be open up again like for November, December time soon. So I'd say keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Um, I guess that's as good a time as any to wrap up. Actually, so do you want to tell people where where they can find you personally, where they can find New Game Plus, um, all that good stuff? So you can find me on Twitter at Ollie Writes. That's Ollie um, O double L Y, not O double L I E, as a lot of people seem to get confused about. <laughs> uh, you can find New Game Plus on Twitter at New Game Plus underscore UK. I wish I could get a New Game at New Game Plus, but it's already been taken, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and then um, the website is again just to plug it again. It's www.newgameplus.co.uk. Amazing. Cool, yeah. Please make sure if you are listening, please make sure to go check out um those channels and then the science stuff. Like it's really it's really cool to intake that kind of content. As I said, especially like once you finish a game, like to go back or and, and sort of read stuff after the fact. Like I love that. Um, and if you haven't done that before, you should. Cool. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much for speaking. No worries at all. And I will catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to the Toad on Games podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, there is one episode out every single week. So that's four episodes a month. And if you want early access to these episodes, you can support me and the Patreon, mostly me, buying toys and nonsense at patreon.com slash toadsanime, where you can get early access to every episode. So that's four episodes a month. Um, you can also get shout outs on the podcast for backing at certain tiers as well. So thank you very much to Robert Caffles, James Coop, Thomas, Francisco Limas, EMH Richard, Corey Class, Chris Wood, Gregory Phillips, Lee Chapman, Stephen, Andy Robertson, Gregory Kroll, Joe Sheedy and Ryan Winters. Thank you so, so much for backing the podcast and me and all the things I do so far. And I hope you will subscribe to wherever it is you're listening to this and we will catch you with a different games industry guest on the next episode. See you later.